Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. We did a whole show on Philip Evans. We ruined that guy, didn't we? Yeah, we ruined him. We ruined him. I mean, we did. We did talk about him in a way that we fully understood that he could be, you know, sent down by by June. Like we understood that. We ex- we were excited about what he was doing at the beginning of the year. We were hoping it was real. And who knows? Maybe he's just had a bad week. But in the week since we spoke about him, he's hitting 053. Oh. 53. So things have not gone very well for Philip Evans. No, I mean, everybody kind of like uh, jumped on the train a little bit. And I, I feel like we were brought along for that a little bit, but no, 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 we were on it. I was pulling the whistle. I was like, toot, toot. <laughs> I was, I was in on it. I mean, and look, I'm not getting off it. I, I still think that the guy's got skills and I still think that the guy could be a real life hitter. And I think that the pirates would be wrong to just give up on that as a hot streak. We did see him put up good numbers the last time he was up hitting in the majors. Everybody has a bad week or so. Don't give up yet. You don't want to be those kind of fans. Yeah. You don't want to be those kind of fans. You're on the bandwagon. You're off the bandwagon. You're on. You're off. You live. You die with every pitch. and every, It's 162 games, and you're in the middle of a rebuild. So, uh, you know, don't give up on him just yet. But, yeah, it was it was kind of... Look, not funny for Philip Evans, but funny for me when I saw how badly it went this week for him. Yeah, I mean, you were you said you were going to keep uh, tabs on whether I picked him up in our fantasy league or not, and I I, I stood uh, I guess I stood by my guns on this one and said, yeah, I'm just not going to pick him up because either I'm going to pick him up and he's going to be terrible, or he's just going to have a bad week because he's never really been a major league player before for a long period of time. Well, you should never talk about fantasy on your podcast. Because not only did Philip Evans get snatched up, but uh, JT Brubaker got grabbed up as well. And you were, you were gushing about him at the end of the show. And our league just basically said, oh, Craig likes that guy? I'm going to get him. Like, from now on, when you talk about a Pirates player or somebody you love, you should pick that person up immediately in fantasy because somebody's going to grab him right out from underneath your nose. Yeah, so I should probably you know start talking about Cole Tucker right now. Everybody in this oh, league, God. pick up Cole Tucker, please. <laughs> Nobody's that dumb. All right, so the Pirates had a good week. They went over what your prediction was for wins. I mean, they're seven and nine. They're not even in last place right now as we sit down and talk on Monday evening for the Tuesday morning release. This is not good if you're looking for one of those high end one, two, or three draft picks coming out of this season. Like rebuilding teams are supposed to be down there at the bottom. They need that number one pick. Like the Astros had a number one pick for like multiple years when they were doing their rebuild. The Cubs had very, very high picks because of very bad finishes in the early parts of the 2010s. The White Sox coming out of their rebuild, the Padres coming out of their rebuild, both of them 
terrible years during the rebuild where they got those high-end draft picks, and those guys are showing up and playing for them now. The Pirates need to do worse. I'm disappointed in the 7-9 start. If you're a fan of the rebuild, you, you kind of want to see them lose a little bit more, right? I mean, at some point, Chris, I, I feel like it'll it'll catch up with us here. Uh, we talked about this, I believe it was, maybe a month or so before the season started where we said these guys could get hot at some point in time, but don't fully grasp onto it. Enjoy it because it's fun when your team wins. I mean, you watch a game. I watched a game on Friday night, had a couple beers, sat down, and actually like loved and enjoyed the game. Saturday night, turned on the game and was looking for that same feeling again and was just pleading for the game to end. So... I feel like at this point in time, like it's so early on in the season. We played the Cubs twice. That's like six games right there to a team that is obviously with a needle pointed down. And at some point in times, maybe they're frustrated and, you know, not looking to win. I'd rather be in the Pirates, you know, clubhouse right now than in the Cubs clubhouse. But at some point in time, I mean, we're going to run into some good teams here. Uh, we're playing the Tigers coming up, but we're also playing the Minnesota Twins. Who's the guest today? Uh, the guest today is uh, Mike Piersack uh, coming to us again. I think this is like his third or fourth time on uh, from the PG. He keeps things real. He actually answers the questions honestly, and but also kind of tempers. I think me and Mike have kind of like a similar uh, attitude because we you try to temper expectations, but giving honest answers I always like having Mike on, and he's got like the inside pulse on some of the players. Mike Piersack is next. This is Bucks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found, and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. I'm bringing back Mike Piersack from the Post-Gazette, Pirates beat writer. Uh, him and Jason Mackey over there doing a great job, you know, holding down the fort. Uh, Mike, how you doing today, brother? I'm doing well, man. Like I said, uh, you know, before we got on, appreciate you having me on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, I can keep up those high expectations. You know? <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a reputation, a reputation to support it. It's pretty early on in the season, you know. As a Pirates fan, as Pirates fans around, you're you know you're getting feedback from everybody, and there's just been you know a lot of ups and downs, ebbs and flows so far in this season. Uh, but I want to start out with uh, a couple players that are, are kind of concerning me and ones that uh, the fans are talking about a decent amount. The first guy would be Kevin Newman. Kevin Newman came onto the scene 2019, you know, great season last year. You know, everybody says toss that out, but, you know, there was some of that peripheral stuff going on with him that showed there could be a decline. Spring training, off the hook, and then comes out now. Are you as concerned uh, about Kevin Newman as some of the fan base is? And, and why is that? And is there any glimpse as to, you know, what we could look forward to to see maybe some more 2019 Kevin Newman? Yeah, so I, I think the thing with Kevin Newman is, is this is probably more, not, not to this extent, but this is probably more of what you should be expecting with him. He makes such weak contact, and he makes a lot of contact. He doesn't strike out a lot. Um, and so he has that going for him where he is, you know, it's more likely if you're making contact, you're going to find a few holes and be all right. But he just hits the ball so weakly that it, 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 it's not 
like he's ever going to be, you know, hitting gaps all the time and, and like driving the ball to the wall because he, he isn't a consistent barrel guy. He's not going to hit the, like his hard hit percentages, average excellent velocity, all those, you know, fun little stats that you can use to project what a guy's going to look like over a full season. Like those aren't very high. And so that, that's like the concerning part is that that's never been, um, that's never been his strong suit, I, I guess I would say, but he's like, those peripherals are not, much different than they were in 2019. He was just kind of overachieving his own numbers in 2019. Like you look at his expected batting average for that year, it was 270, and he was above 300 the whole year in, in you know the actual batting average, which is where those things, you know, obviously you can overperform or underperform those numbers. But but that was you know 270 was what people expected him to be, what his batted ball profile would have led you to believe him, and it was a lot higher than that. Now last year it was 240. 246 was the expected batting average, and his actual real-life batting average is below that. So there's a middle ground there, and, and I don't think you know Kevin Newman over the whole season is going to be as bad as, as his numbers suggest right now. Um, but I also don't think, I think above 300 and, and, and the numbers that he put up in 2019 are a little bit unrealistic to expect. That now, another player that you know has kind of been polarizing uh, right now uh, is Trevor Cahill. Trevor Cahill came in, in my mind, with with very you know limited or low expectations, and not even really looking that he could have been a starter from the beginning. I mean, maybe if Stephen Brawl doesn't get injured, uh, maybe we're not seeing him as much right now. People are saying, you know, just you know, DFA him, do this kind of stuff with him. What's your uh, thoughts on like the the type of pitcher Trevor Cahill is, and? If you know this was expected, or if you know there could be you no know, any little bit of improvement here with him, or usage-wise, I guess it would be. Yeah. Well, first of all, I'll say that that uh, they're like they're not going to DFA Trevor Gale. Like there there aren't many options because they did sign him to a major league contract. Like I could, you know, you can still DFA a guy, but you still have to pay him that money. You know, and they gave him that money where after three starts, they're not just going to be like, yeah, well, we've seen enough to buy. Um, but, you know, he's going to be, like, it's, it's, it's all, like, he, he fits, like, the crafty veteran role to me, you know what I'm saying? Like, even more so than, than Tyler Anderson. Like, he's been around the block. He understands what, you know, his arsenal is. Like, even when he came in, uh, one of the more interesting things that he was talking about was, um, you know, when, when there's a new pitcher, a lot of times people will ask, like, okay, well, have you talked to the pitching coach, Oscar Marine? What's the plan? Like, you know, what, what, how do you feel your talents kind of match with what the Pirates want? And with him, he came in and he said, listen, I, like, I am the pitcher that I'm going to be. Like, I, like, I'm my best help in terms of coaching or whatever because he's been to a million different organizations. He's experienced a million different styles of coaching and, and, and you know, pitching philosophies from different places that he, like, understands what he wants. Or, or what makes him the best, and so like that—that's his best coach. And I always thought that was interesting, um, and so I like—I don't think we've quite seen that yet. Like I said, three three starts as specific starting pitchers. It's really hard to to judge at the beginning of the season because obviously their opportunities are even fewer and far between than um, than, than, than the offensive side. So um, I think I'd be patient a little bit with him. I don't think we've quite seen exactly. Um, you know, the best side of it. It's hard to even judge peripherals at this point or, or you know, the advanced analytics on starting pitchers. So, uh, to me, personally, like, the, the jury is still out. I'm not sure exactly what he's going to turn into, but I'm not willing to, like, you know, write him off completely after after those three starts, even if they haven't been. I mean, you know, 
giving up. His ERA is like just short of 10 right now. So uh, <laughs> that's not good. And like there's improvement to be made for sure. Um, but I, I think that, you know, we need a little bit more of a full picture for me to say for sure that I think Trevor Cahill is. But granted, like you said earlier, like the, the expectations weren't super high anyways. If Stephen Brawl doesn't get hurt, he might just be a bullpen guy and you're not really thinking about him that much anyway. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll certainly see what he, what he turns into and we'll get every opportunity to, to pitch every fifth day unless something terrible goes wrong uh, until Stephen Brawl comes back, you would think. Yeah, because, I mean, with, with Cahill, I mean, I, I will, you know, temper some people's, you know, I, I wouldn't even say it's expectations, but but temper their mood a little bit on this is that if if you watch the game, uh, the last game he went out, like, it, he was just getting dinked and dunked. It wasn't like he was getting, you know, hit around the ballpark. It wasn't like he was getting hit out of the ballpark. I mean, a lot of this stuff was, like, here's a broken bat, or here's a flare, or here's, you know, somebody just sticking the bat out, and it you know, catches the line or something. It wasn't um, just a ton of hard contact, and he was kind of almost like a victim of, you know, sets of circumstances there. Now, you know, if he's striking guys out, they're not making contact, so that would be on the other side of the coin. But, yeah, I I like to get that perspective from you, Mike, and I, I like the, the background on, you know, Trevor Cahill is what he is, and he was brought in here with a purpose to, you know, it's it's not like, you know, Ben Charrington was, was surprised of what he was going to be when he came in. It's just a guy that could possibly, uh, you know, contribute a little bit, you know, more long term. And I think the focus has been a lot more on him and his performance as opposed to like at times like a Mitch Keller or a Chad Cool or something like that. But Mike, I want to take a minute to give you a, a little bit of kudos here because uh, one of the last times you were on, uh, we had a conversation about the players that, you know, could surprisingly make the roster or guys that could surprisingly, you know, get uh, sent down to, you know, either you know, AAA or we didn't know what it was going to be exactly or the taxi squad at the time. And and you called both of your predictions correctly. You predicted David Bednar uh, to make the the opening day lineup. And you also uh, projected that Cole Tucker would, would be making his way to the alternative site. None of us could have foreseen, you know, maybe him being down in Florida with, with Jared Oliva taking at bats like that. But I want to give you some kudos for that, but I'm also setting you up to say who is a guy right now on the team that you think uh, is in danger of possibly, you know, maybe getting sent down just to work on something for a little bit or, you know, because they haven't got off to the start that uh, maybe the team expected. Is there, is there a guy that's sticking out to you that could find himself down at the alternate site or, you know, AAA when it starts? The interesting part, and I may end up parlaying this into like a, a slightly different conversation, um, just because I think we're going to find something out here pretty quickly, right? So, so Key Brian Hayes has to return, and uh, is is nearing a return. He's, he's he's playing games now with the, or he's going to play games with the Alternate Training Site team. They're out on a road trip right now, um, and so when he comes back, obviously someone has to has to go to make room for him, and the options like the guys of that you would think like, okay, well, maybe this, you know, maybe Wilmer Depot makes sense. Maybe one of the struggling outfielders makes sense. Um, those guys don't have any options. So we're going to find something out pretty quickly here. If they, if they wanted to be completely safe, they would have to option like Philip Evans, which I don't think is going to happen. <laughs> um, so, so uh, you know, to me, the most likely candidates for that would be Anthony Alford and Wilmer Depot. Um, as guys, uh, obviously, Depot came up to fill Hayes' 
spot when he when he went, went down with injury. Um, and and you know we'll see if they're able to clear waivers or go down. But those are really the only two guys that I think for sure you would consider. Like in a perfect world, if options weren't a thing, you could just freely send a guy back and forth no matter what. I think those would be the, the, the guys that you would want to send down and let them work on things. Specifically, Alfred is a guy who, who would like to be part of the roster, but he's obviously not where you want him to be right now. Um, but you have to get those guys to clear waivers. So so we'll see exactly what happens there. But we're going to find out pretty quickly. And if it is Alfred, then they're going to have to get a little creative with the day-to-day lineup in terms of who starts. Maybe you move Brian Reynolds to center field uh, for most games. If you put Philip Evans in left, you just have Dustin Fowler as the fourth outfielder like it's going to be interesting either way but they have a decision coming up here where they're going to have to 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 make that choice i don't see them sending down a pitcher for that um, uh, because they you know they've said over and over again how much they value having 14 pitchers this season um, and i think it's far too early for them to change that philosophy so it, it, to me it's going to be one of those guys unless like i said like you know kevin newman still has options i guess if you really wanted to Maybe he's a guy, as we talked about earlier, he's, he has some things to iron out. Um, but the rest of the guys with options, it's like Frazier, Evans, Reynolds, and Moran. And none of those <laughs> guys deserve to be out for sure. Um, or like, you know, I'm trying to find you know, some of the outfielders too, I'm, I'm sure have, have options or something like that. Like it, it, it's, not, it's not an ideal, uh, <laughs> ideal circumstance in terms of having a lot of guys who, who are candidates for that. But something's going to be found out. Like they have to make a choice, you know. So uh, we'll see. We'll see soon enough. Is there any inkling of anybody else uh, from the alternate site aside from you know Brian Hayes, who's only down there, you know, due to injury? Uh, any position players down there? Because I know that the pitchers it, it could cycle up and down with you know the IL of, of Feliz and Poppin coming up and and those types of moves. But is there is there any? W- position players that you see. I know I hear fans calling for, you know, Oliver, calling for, you know, Todd Frazier and and the like, and maybe even a Brian Goodwin. Uh is do we see that as as a possibility at any point in time here? I think at a certain point, um, you know, say say Hayes comes back and they decide that Defoe is the best option, right? And so now you still have Alfred and Fowler out there. Like I think at a certain point you just have to like eat it, you know. Like you, ha- you have to, you have to let go of Alfred and say, "Listen, you're not doing us any good up here. If another organization claims you, great. We hope the best for you. But, um, but you know, if in an ideal circumstance, you go down to alternate training site and work some things out, and then you can bring up, you know, Goodwin. I don't know if I'll. I think Goodwin would be the first one. Um, and you know, the other interesting aspect of it too is will be how much they value. The veteran guys at the ultimate training center, like Goodwin, uh, Todd Frazier, are, are the two that specifically come to mind um, as guys who, who Ben Sherrington said have opt-out clauses in May. Um, so if if you value those guys and you want to see what they have this year, and maybe you know they perform and you can trade them at the deadline or something, um, like those are, you know, those would be the two leading candidates in terms of you know you got to use them or lose them, you know. Um, in terms of the pitching side, like it's a, it's kind of a similar thing almost to what I was saying earlier with with the guys who have options on on the uh, on the position player side. Uh, so like Richard Rodriguez has an option, David Bednar, Crick, Howard, Poppin, and Oviedo. Obviously, Oviedo can't go. You're not going to option Rodriguez. David Bednar has done nothing to deserve it. 
Um, Kyle Crick's been good. Sam Howard's been good. Like those those guys have been all right. Obviously, Sean Poppin is, is his own thing. Um, but you know the the Dwayne Underwood Jr. who who maybe if he gets too long and you want to move him down, but he can't. He doesn't have options. You don't want to lose a guy. Anyways, Clay Holmes has been a little up and down. Chris Stratton's been a little up and down. Like, but but none of those guys you can send down. So I think a lot of the opportunity for those alternate training site arms would have to come from an injury or, or you know sending somebody to the shelf. Um, for whatever reason, obviously nobody wants that. But but to me, there's like a little bit of a cap here, just because the Pirates roster is in a certain bit of, of like you know the guys who would like to have options don't have options. And obviously, there's a reason for that. Like those guys have been quad A guys in the past who have been up and down. So um, you know, it, it, there's it's not like losing those guys to waivers would be the end of the world or anything like that. But um, I think things would have to get really bad in terms of their performance to warrant. Um, risking losing them to waivers, which is why I think Alford would be like the only one that I would really consider. I mean, you know, maybe follow two follow as I said the world on fire, but but the position players guys with the guys who are struggling, like those would be the only ones that I think you would want to look out for, if that makes sense. I, I think that was kind of a secure circuitous way of talking about it, but hopefully that makes sense. No, I mean it's 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 tough to talk about Mike just because I mean it there are so many different moving parts. There's so many different, you know, options. There's guys that even if even if they they don't have options, they you know have you know accumulated enough service time that they could also you know, I guess it would be refuse their assignment. I don't, I'm not sure how you know that works right now, but I it's it seems to be that everything's going you know even though it's the alternate site, they're treating it like it's AAA. The options, everything still have to happen and everything. So. It's it's definitely like uh, it's very much like fine tuning stuff and also not overreacting to small sample sizes, you know, so early on in the season and trying to see you know what we have here because before the season everybody kept on saying we need to give this guy a look, we need to give this guy an extended look, and you know now there's just those reactions and like I said it's mostly from fans. And that's to be, you know, expected. It's it's from myself as well. I'm sitting there watching a game saying, oh my God, why is this guy in here? And then I have to think to myself, oh, wait a second. We said we wanted to give him an extended look. Is 20 at bats, you know, an extended look? And and it goes it goes the opposite direction as well. And uh, Philip Evans, I you mentioned him earlier, you know, we're obviously not going to send him down, you know, looking for places for him. Uh, the last episode Chris and I did, I we we titled it uh, Philip Evans Love Fest. But if everybody remembers, I would not pick up Philip Evans on my fantasy team because I wouldn't take that risk. And at least for this week, I have been correct. Uh, as as soon as our thing was came out, right after that, uh, Philip Evans only has uh, one hit. He's he's been a he's been a small sample size monster. Like, he's just been a guy that hits, and now we've seen a little bit more of an extended look from him, and he's started to struggle a little bit. Do you see, like, them still trying to, you know, find that spot for Phillip Evans, or does he become possibly, you know, the utility man like like Adam Frazier used to be? And it's like, he will play almost every day, but it won't be at the same position. You know, in my mind, like, like he's a guy who could, who could play – almost every day while you're giving another guy a day off, kind of all around the diamond, right? And I think that that's, like, one of the more attractive things about him. I don't think that's necessarily a knock. I think that that's, you know, what the Pirates do like about him. Philip has acknowledged it before to us. Like, that, that is 
you know, a perk of his game is that he's able to play all these different positions. Um, and, and, you know, on a game-to-game basis, you can stick him in right, you can stick him in left, you can stick him at either of the corner infield spots. He's, he's played shortstop and second base in the past. Like, you can put him wherever you want. You can even pitch him. He's still necessarily <laughs> um, but, but, you know, he's, he's a guy that, that, that can fill any one of those spots. And, that, and that's a benefit to him. In terms of, like, you know, the recent hitting, like the very, very recent hitting, um, I, you know, I, I think he was obviously always going to have a little bit of a – he's going to drop down to earth a little bit because he's not going to hit, you know, 360 all year, 400 or whatever. To me, uh, this was always the, the question, though, was, was how long does Philip Evans have to hit well for it to be real? Because, it, like you said, it's always been a small sample size monster where last year he played in 11 games or whatever, and he, and he had a great, you know, a great 11 games. And then in the spring he played in however many games it was in spring, with the caveat that it is spring. Uh, but he hit really well. And so, like, how, how, how many of those, you know, small sample sizes you have to string together for it to be like, oh, no, this is actually a real thing. Um, and, you know, early in the season it's, it's, it's like, attracted to jump on, the bandwagon with these guys, but obviously the Pirates like something about him. I think a lot of it has to do with his versatility, um, the fact that he can allow Derek Shelton to give certain guys days off because you know you have a solid bat who can fill in the lineup at whatever position that may be. Um, I think that that's attractive to them, obviously. Um, and then you know the rest of it, he'll get his opportunities, and we'll see if, if, if you know a 20, 25, 30 game stretch, he can keep it over that. Um, and then I think you kind of go from there. But right now, so so one thing about Phil Evans, and one thing I always try to look at with guys who, who first come up and, and have you know a real hot start at the beginning, is how are they hitting off speed and breaking and stuff? Because the young guys, the, the, the brand new guys who don't have much of a track record in the majors, will get fed a lot of fastballs early on. Basically, opposing pitchers saying, "All right, challenge, challenge them with your best heat. Can you hit it? And if they can, um, then you often see like." They'll mix it up. They'll pitch them in different ways, whatever. Bill Evans is hitting better on breaking balls and off-speed stuff uh, than he is on fastballs right now. Uh, so, so, like, that I think is encouraging that, that he's seeing the ball well. It's not just that he's hitting fastballs or that he's just a good fastball hitter. He has more of a well-rounded approach, so I think that's encouraging to me. Obviously, that doesn't mean for sure that he's going to bounce back and be a middle-of-the-order bat all season, but I think that part's encouraging. It's something I try to look at with him. And I think that people are also just trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be a part of the future, which, you know, right now, I, there's, you know, Colin Moran is doing well. So I open up my timeline this morning. I told you that I, I, it's one of the first things I look at. Pirates are always on my mind. I know it's kind of sad, but I'm up before everybody else. So I, I have that little bit of time to have a coffee and, and do it. But I, the biggest thing right now is they're just like, okay, what can we get for Colin Moran? What is your thoughts on like the type of season Colin Moran is having? Um, and also possible, you know, what's the future for Colin Moran? The guy's only, you know, 28 years old. They're talking about Philip Evans being a part of the future. I know he has, you know, more years of control. But is it possible that Colin Moran could be a little bit more a part of the future than some people expected? I, so I always try to think of this in terms of like, okay, well, if it's not this player, then who is it, right? Which is which is which has always been my defense of Gregory Polanco playing every day. It's, it's just that he's not, he's not keeping anyone else from playing. It's not like there's someone right there on the precipice that's 
that's a part of the future that, that for sure deserves a call up. Uh, like you mentioned Jared Oliver earlier, like he obviously has his own issues and wasn't involved in the training site right away. And so, you know, you give the guy time and, and, and again, the, like an off way of, of responding to your question, but but I think the same thing with first base. Like, who would who would be next? Right? Is is this finally the time that Will Craig gets his look? Like, it's taken a very long time for Will Craig to to, to uh, you know break through that ceiling, and he hasn't done it yet. He only got called up a couple times last year for like double headers. Like, so so if if you believe that Will Craig is part of the future, or that maybe Mason Martin is really ready to take a step up, then I think you, you're willing to trade him. But you have to have somebody who's next, right? Like you can't just say, "Well, Colin Moran's a little too old, and so you know we're going to get rid of him because there will be somebody who steps up." Like, no, that's not how it works. You have to have somebody there to, that you believe will be part of the future in order to get rid of Colin Moran. So I think all those things sort of tie together. By the way, I saw someone tweet out. I think it was John Trecker uh, who, who said that someone <laughs> at the Alternate Training Site told him that Mason Martin hit a 550 foot home run on Sackcast. Yeah, I don't know. If I don't know if he was kidding or if that was like bad information, but that's insane if that's true. And and if so, give the guy a call, trade Colin Moran tomorrow. I want to see more face of Martin right now. <laughs> but no, I mean Colin Moran, like I, I totally agree with you. I don't think I think he's kind of in the gray area where if you can get a bunch of good stuff for him and there's a big market for Colin Moran at the deadline, then sure. I, you know, I don't have any any real opposition to trading him. I just think you have to be careful about just chalking up these guys who are like, Oh yeah, you should trade him, you should get rid of him. If there's nobody that's that's right there who's going to be the obvious heir to the throne to take advantage of those, uh, you know, those vacated opportunities. Hey, gang. Ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing. Weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708 535 3006 or shoot him an email butch at elitebenefits.net and be sure to check out the zmar podcast don't wait till the last minute put butch zmar to work for you now listen if you ever have any comments if you ever want to ask us a question and you don't want to go on twitter and tweet craig because he runs the bucks in the basement twitter account and he gets drunk and he gets angry and he, he, he sometimes like goes off the handle and he says crazy weird things. And then I tell him to knock it off because people aren't going to like us anymore. If you want to just leave a message, 708-459-8406. That's a national number, 708-459-8406. So Pirates fans all across the country can dial that number and leave a message 365 days a year, 24-7. All right, so let's take a look here. Six games this week. Three on the road against the Tigers, three on the road against the Twins. I would realistically put it at two and a half, over under two and a half wins before we see each other again here on Bucks in the Basement. I'm going to go under. You're going under. I'm going to believe. I think they get three. I think they get three. No more than three, but I think they get three. 
I'm a believer. I think this team is is rolling a little bit right now. You know, we said last week we didn't think that they were going to be able to 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 win games. And we thought that the competition was changing and they weren't going to be able to win any games. And they're finding a way to win. I, I I'm start they're they're making me believe that they're going to be the kind of team that isn't a playoff team, but they may be a 500 or very close to 500 team at least for the first half of the season. Bucks in the basement is back next week. Our thanks again to Mike Pierzak. Remember, you can subscribe and follow this podcast everywhere podcasts can be found and always at BucksInTheBasement.com. Tell your friends about it. We will see you next week. Bye-bye, everybody. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but